Trauma can leave lasting effects on our emotional well-being. In this episode, I'll focus on five ways trauma affects us emotionally. Anxiety, depression, anger, fear, and guilt, and I will throw in a bonus sixth emotion. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a therapist, coach, and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to finally get relief from trauma using clear language and practical techniques. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. So this comes from a blog that I published this morning that has a whopping 23 ways through uh, various domains like cognitions and physically, but 23 ways that trauma can impact us that we might not expect. Um, but I'm going foc- to focus on these six emotional ways. First off, what is trauma? Real quick, it's typically defined as an experience that overwhelms a person's ability to cope leaving them feeling helpless, powerless, and vulnerable. And that could be a single event or a series of events that cause significant distress. But we're going to take it one step further. We like to do things the polyvagal way here on Stuck Not Broken. So trauma is not the event that someone went through, like an assault, or the events that should have happened that didn't happen, like healthy attachment with a caregiver. Instead, trauma is the impact of those on that person, more specifically how the event or lack of events impacts the state of that person's autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system can be said to be in basically one of three states, social engagement, flight, fight, or shutdown. And according to the polyvagal theory, trauma is the inability to shift out of a defensive state. So it's being stuck in a defensive state to shift out of that and into the body's uh, state of safety and social connection. So someone who's traumatized then is somebody who lives in a perpetual state of defense or someone who's easily triggered into that state of defense by things that might be reminiscent of something that they went through. All right, so let's get into our five uh, ways that anxiety affects us emotionally plus a bonus sixth. Number one is anxiety. Trauma can lead to feelings of anxiety that are uh, from mild to severe. It could be just basic day-to-day anxiety and worry. Uh, all the way up to panic attacks, which I would consider more extreme anxiety. Other more common anxious experiences might be feeling constantly on edge, worrying excessively, trouble sleeping. Uh, it could be hypervigilance. I'd say that was way on the more extreme side of anxiety. So if the polyvagal lens is true and trauma is the impact of an event on one's ANS, then anxiety would make sense as one being stuck in a defensive state of flight. So this this person who's stuck in their flight states or is easily triggered into their flight state, they are prepared for mobility. They need to escape a danger, or at least their body is in a state of being prepared to escape a danger and then get to safety, but they're stuck in this state. Therefore, they experience anxiety chronically, like it might be there more often than not or easily triggered. Number two is depression. Being in a traumatized state can also lead to depression. People who are stuck in trauma commonly feel sad or hopeless or lose interest in activities that they even they used to enjoy. They might also experience changes in their appetite or in their sleep patterns. In adults with chronic depression, there is a strong history of childhood trauma. 75.6% of the chronically depressed patients in in this certain study reported clinically significant histories of childhood trauma, and 37% of the chronically depressed patients 
reported multiple childhood traumatization incidents and experiences of multiple traumas or multiple traumatic incidents also led to significantly more severe depressive symptoms. I'll put my links in the description for my research. From the polyvagal theory lens, again, depression makes sense. If an autonomic nervous system is stuck in a, uh, a collapsed dorsal vagal shutdown immobilization state, then that person likely day to day will experience something like depression. The body's in a state of conservation. There is no energy to do much. The polyvagal shutdown state is all about conservation. It's about slowing down and conserving the body's resources for when the life threat passes and then the body can come out of shutdown up to flight and then fight. I'm sorry, up to, out of shutdown, up to fight and then flight and then the safety state. So it's conserving resources in case there's a chance to use them in one large burst of adrenaline and to fight and then flight and then get back to safety. There's also the benefit of biologically slowing down. The, the benefit of that could be to appear dead in a life-threatening situation. If, if uh, the organism appears dead, then the predator or the danger might pass it by. Number three, anger. Trauma can also lead to chronic anger and rage. In this case of anger, the body is stuck in a polyvagal state of fight. It's that flight fight sympathetic mobility, but particularly more of a fight flavored. In this state, the body is prepared to be aggressive and to actually enclose space. It gets closer to the danger. The biological design here or the evolutionary design here is that getting closer to the danger might actually cause the danger to back up and that might create enough space for the aggressor to get out of that situation. However, of course, one can get stuck in a fight state and then just kind of feel chronically angry. Number four is fear. Trauma can leave a person feeling constantly on guard and fearful. They might be afraid of the same situation that happened in the past happening again. And this fear can be, of course, debilitating. But when it comes to the polyvagal theory, we understand fear in a different way. And this also comes from Peter Levine's somatic experiencing his, his lens of the world, which very much coincides with polyvagal theory. Fear can be understood to be the activation of flight fight while also being immobilized. I shared on the podcast not too long ago a story about, I think I did, a story about a, a police officer who told me he never feels fear. But then he remembered, oh, there is this one, there is this time where I do feel fear. And that is when I'm sitting in my cop car and I've been, he called it activated. I've been activated for a call. So he gets in his car, he go, he drives, he's driving out of the cop parking lot and he has to wait for the gate to slowly open. And he said, when I'm waiting for the gate to slowly open, that's when my thoughts turn into uh, more of a fearful, like my, my, I start to think about what if I can't get there in time to help that person out? What if I can't get home to my family? So the idea here is he is activated as he called it. He is in his flight fight state, but then that slow moving gate immobilizes him, which turns that flight fight energy into fear. And then his thoughts change and he starts to think about things uh, around his fear. In trauma then, when someone is activated for running away or fighting, but then immobilized, that flight fight energy can get locked in their system. And as it gets triggered, it might feel like fear because it's still locked in the system. 
especially when it's triggered by cues that are similar to that situation where they got frozen or locked into the system in the first place. It doesn't have to be an exact uh, replica of what happened. It could be something like if a sexual assault survivor is suddenly hugged by someone and they weren't expecting it, that touch may trigger their frozen flight fight energy and may send them into a fearful you know, moment, turning into a rage or, or panic. Number five is guilt. This is something I've always found to be peculiar in a way, but it, it makes sense, but it is complex. People who live in trauma may feel guilty. To me, guilt suggests that there is wrongdoing. And when in my work with traumatized individuals as a therapist, they're not at fault for what got them into a traumatized state. I mean, oftentimes they feel like they could have done something differently. It's, I don't know how realistic that always is. But they feel like they could have done something, something differently to prevent the trauma from happening or the traumatic incident from occurring. Or they may have been in a situation or multiple situations where they have they were manipulated into thinking that they were willingly partaking in something, or maybe the truth came out. They told someone the truth came out in some way. And then that person who, you know, was the victim after they brought out the truth, they may have been taught that they were the cause of whatever it was. Maybe a family friend went to prison and the victim was taught that was your fault. And they felt guilt from that. Now, none of these things they did wrong. It's not their fault. And none of those things should result in someone feeling guilty if, if uh, you know, based on my logic, right? However, these are often imposed upon a child. And children tend to blame themselves and take on the emotion of others. So I don't, I don't know if that guilt is really theirs. It might be probably some adult, some adult's guilt or shame. But hold on to that. As Psych Central says, a child's psyche is still developing. They tend to see the world revolving around them. This means that if there's something wrong, they tend to think it's somehow related to them, that perhaps it's their fault. So if they already feel that way, plus or and or adults are telling them that they are somehow at fault, then yeah, they might take on that guilt. I also found a meta-analysis that says that guilt predicts PTSD when assessed both within days and after several months following the traumatic event, suggesting that guilt plays a significant role in the onset and the maintenance of PTSD. That means guilt helps solidify PTSD or, or trauma in the system to keep it going. Now, of course, no one's choosing to feel that way, but it's, I think it's important to highlight that it's a common feeling, emotion, uh, that comes along with trauma and it actually reinforces the trauma as well. And I would actually say that probably all these do. Inadvertently, they do. And your bonus number six is shame. So just like guilt, shame is a very common experience of those living with trauma, especially through certain types of trauma or traumatic incidents like sexual assault, sexual abuse. Something that I see with my clients often is that they confuse shame and guilt. Guilt's the experience of doing something wrong, like in your behavior or your choices that you've done something wrong. I say shame is an experience that you are wrong or broken or that not what you did, but what you, who you are at the very core of yourself. And shame often comes with feelings of disgust, grossness, dirtiness, uh, again, very often a result of sexual trauma. A study I found through the National Institute of Health says that it is possible that certain interpersonal traumas, for example, 
those occurring early in development or those involving coercive but not forceful sexual victimization perpetrated by a known and or trusted perpetrator may be more likely to lead to strong emotions of anger and shame as compared with heightened levels of fear that would likely accompany a trauma characterized by acute physical threat. What I'm reading with this quote is that a trauma, a traumatic incident that involves an acute physical threat likely will have fear that comes along with it, but a, a traumatic incident that involves um, someone that is known to the victim, a sexual victimization, when the perpetrator is known to the victim, there are stronger cor- or more often stronger correlations of emotions of anger and shame compared to the fear that would come along with an acute physical threat. So there you go. There are your five and a bonus sixth emotional impact of trauma. If you found this podcast to be helpful, this little episode here, then I think you'll love Polyvagal 101. That is a course that I created for you. It dives deeper into the polyvagal theory and into trauma. You will learn much more about your stuck state and how it affects you daily. You will learn the polyvagal theory clearly and simply in under two hours. You can find more information about the course in the episode description or on my website, justinlmft.com slash polyvagalclarity justinlmft.com slash polyvagalclarity. I do have a nifty gifty for you uh, as well. And actually this, this will be great if you sign up for my polyvagal 101 course, or if you're just taking in my free content, I have something called the polyvagal checklist. And this is something that you just sign up for my email list and you print it out and use it as a guide or as a checklist for all of the polyvagal info that I, I listed on there on the checklist as you're learning about this stuff through either my free content and or the paid course, just check it off as you list or as you learn about it. And then as you check things off, go to the next thing on the list. You can use it as a guide to learn about the next piece of the polyvagal theory. This really fits in with the first phase of trauma recovery as, as I see things, which is getting accurate knowledge about what the heck happened. <laughs> Not just what happened, but who you are and the, what it means to be you and why you are the way you are. So it's really laying that foundational knowledge and polyvagal 101 is the first phase of my trauma recovery system. Fellow stuck now, I do hope this episode has been a helpful resource for you in learning and applying the polyvagal theory to your trauma relief. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.